0: So, in penetration testing, you're talking about information gathering. On well, in Fortnite, you're doing the same thing when you first get on, when you first land on the field and you're scanning your environment to see is there anybody else nearby? What supplies can I go grab from this area, from this house? What materials do I need to begin with? And then as you go through the scanning phase, like in pen testing, you're using your end map or whatever tools you're using. In Fortnite, you're scanning visually. So now again, you're now you're walking around and you're looking, okay, this tool chest has been opened, which means there's somebody who could possibly be close by. Essentially, you're looking for vulnerabilities. You find the person, you start attacking or whatever it is you're doing. If they have shields, you're knocking down the shields. Once you knock down the shields, they're vulnerable for an exploit. Now, when you do the exploit, you're taking them out. Same thing in penetration testing.
1: From Cobalt at Home, this is Humans of InfoSec, a show about real people, their work, and its impact on the information security industry. My name is Caroline Wong, and I'd like to introduce today's guest, my new friend and colleague, Davin Jackson. Davin is a father, husband, and United States Air Force veteran. Professionally, he is a senior penetration tester, consultant, and contributor at Alpha Cybersecurity. He has over 13 years of IT and security experience and holds several certifications. He still considers himself to be a noob as part of his plan to never stop learning. Davin's goal is to share his experience and mentor people looking to further their careers He also wants to help families secure their homes and devices, as well as teach children about the dangers of the internet. When he isn't working or researching, Davin likes to spend time with his family, travel, and occasionally play video games. Davin, what kind of video games do you like to play?
0: Um, I've been playing a lot of uh, Overwatch lately. My son is into Fortnite, so uh, I've been playing that a little with him. Just kind of gives me an excuse to you know, get back into video games. Um, I haven't really played too much, but uh, like I said, I usually would stick with those two games when I do get a
1: chance. Awesome. I will say I'm not actually a video game person myself, but I think it's cool. And I appreciate you sharing that with us. You know, I did something unusual, which is I asked you a question in the middle of my introduction. So how did Davin and I meet each other? We met each other on Twitter. Davin had posted a tweet at the end of July saying, I'm trying to up my speaking game. Is anyone looking for someone to interview, stream, or present a talk? And my really good friend, Colleen Coolidge, wrote, you know, some folks have connections to podcasts. Check out Humans of InfoSec to talk about the human side of your InfoSec practice. And so I was so happy to meet you and we got to know each other. And I was checking out your recent SANS webcast about analyzing the OWASP API security top 10 for pen testers. And I thought to myself, I would love to have Davin on the podcast. And so thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Well, thank you for having me. And a special thank you to Colleen for referring me to you.
1: Yay, Colleen. So Davin, you started out as a mechanic on F117As. Tell me a little bit about that. What is an F one seventeen A, and how does that relate to your work in security? Do you see any connections between these two areas that you've done that, on the face of it, seem pretty different in your life?
0: So the the F one seventeen A is just a classification. It's a it's a stealth fighter jet. I believe it's been retired. I'm trying to see what I can talk about, what I'm allowed to talk about, but. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a stealth fighter jet, you know, that uh flies by and evades radar. So I was the mechanic on it. I did everything from fueling it up to changing the tires and you know, dealing with other mechanical or some technical issues that the that the jet was having. Um also made sure I did, you know, the, the inspections before flight, in between is and when the and when it came back from whatever sortie it was flying. Uh, as far as how it relates to the cybersecurity field, I can't say that they really relate too much, except for the fact that, you know, you do have to pay attention to, to detail. Obviously, with a jet, you know, God forbid, a, a loose screw could, could mean a catastrophe. In cybersecurity, you know, you just have to make sure you follow things in scope or make sure that you're following the rules of engagement to make sure you don't knock down any services or sites or... Touch something that you're not supposed to. So I would definitely say the one thing that they do have in common is that you really have to pay attention to detail.
1: Very cool. You know, Davin, I want to talk to you about another topic that you've discussed in one of your SANS webcasts, which is the implications of an IoT integrated future. So things like smart fridges, self-driving cars, even baby monitors, stuff that 10 years ago might've seemed totally outlandish and now is extremely commonplace. We're looking at what that all means for security, for privacy, for risk management. Now, Gartner has said that by 2022, APIs will become the most frequent attack vector. But obviously they're looking at that from the perspective of, okay, what should Gartner clients know? And those are mostly enterprises. Those are mostly larger businesses. In reality, from your perspective, what is the threat level for your average citizen? How much do you think attackers are really trying to gain access to home networks? Can you tell me what you think about that?
0: I always think the risk is high. You know, obviously, people at home don't really have resources or things that people would want to steal from a business or a hospital, but at the same time, there's a lot of things that are at home that are worth protecting, you know, your privacy for one. Uh, just think last year when the ring security cameras were hacked into and attackers were able to set off the alarm system or speak through the microphone and harass the people at home. And just that peace of mind that, you know, you have privacy at home or security at home is major. Accessing someone's webcam or microphone on their laptop or even on their phone being able to see them when they may not want to be seen you know these these are things that yeah there's no dollar sign attached to them but it's definitely peace of mind that's just as important
1: yeah yeah admittedly you know when you share that particular case with me i am actually thinking about the home camera system that i have installed and i love it and i recognize that it's software it's connected to the internet and therefore it does have some of the vulnerabilities that we think about. So that's very interesting (laughs) (laughs) and very, it's like super duper relevant, right? Like I'm, I'm like, Oh my gosh, like which way are those cameras pointing? And you know, all of these different things. So very, very interesting. You know, I am curious to know, therefore When it comes to your personal life and the types of devices that you choose to have in your home, I'm going to go ahead and guess that you don't, for example, have an Amazon Alexa in your house. Neither do I, side note. And so I'm curious to know how you choose to behave and how you choose to represent yourself in a public forum. You have researched IoT, you have blogged about secure alternatives to Google how do you manage that in your own life?
0: Um, so for one, yep, you're absolutely right. I do not have an, an Alexa or a Google, the Google Assistant in the house. Um, I actually freak out when I see other family and friends with them. But um, as far as how how I'm visible on the internet, I used to be, <laughs> I, I used to be like a, an alter ego, I guess. So, you know, my my private side was very private. Being away from where where I grew up, uh, I did have social media to, you know, connect with family and friends who I don't communicate with on a regular basis. But then it was very locked down. Now I am somewhere, I guess, in between. Uh, just because I'm making myself more visible as someone in the field who wants to be, you know, an advocate for you know, starting your career in cybersecurity. or uh, like I said, just going about the ways to teach other people, you know, how to protect themselves with basic things like, you know, using complex passwords or password managers or anything like that. So um, I, like I said, it used to be somewhere I was completely locked down and then I kind of gradually, I guess exposed myself a little bit more if I had to put it like I said, if I had to put a number on it, I'm not obviously I'm not fully open with everything. Uh, yeah, I did do the the article on secure alternatives to Google. Um, and again, I there are some of those that I use, and then there's some that you know let's let's face it. I mean, Google is accessible everywhere, from your phone to your computer. I mean, like I said before, even the Google assistant. so I do find myself using Google from time to time. It just all depends.
1: Yep, understood. You know, I find myself, as I'm hearing you speak, reflecting on my own behavior and my use of social media and other things over the last, you know, several years. And I will admit that when I was younger, I was a lot more open and public on social media. These days, I'm a little more private. I actually have closed accounts, uh, whereas in the past I had a certain, I don't know, millennial-like pride about having public (laughs) accounts, but this podcast is not about me. It's about you. You know, Davin, I'd love to hear your career story. How did you find yourself moving from IT and support and help desk roles and security roles? You've done a lot of different things, which tells me that you have an ability to learn. You have an ability to adapt and I'm really curious to hear what that's been like for you. So
0: long story short, obviously, when I got out of the service, um, there weren't any F-117s or F-16s or any fighter aircraft that I could work on in the civilian world. <laughs> Go figure. So um, I moved around a little bit. You know, I worked in retail. I've worked in warehouses. Um, I tried electrical for a little while. And, you know, just for one reason or the other, it didn't work out. And I think I want to say it was like the last time I, I was in electrical, and I like fell off of a ladder on a work site. And once I was able to realize uh, that I could walk, I literally walked off the site because I didn't ever want to experience that again. And my wife just, you know, we sat down and had a really difficult discussion about where I thought I was going in life and what I wanted to do. and You know, growing up, I always had I always had a love for tech or tinkering with things, but, you know, the resources weren't made available to me. You know, growing up in the inner city, there weren't a lot of opportunities for people like me to to get into tech. And then when we were when we were exposed to it, it was almost made to seem like we weren't really smart enough. So it was always something that I always liked to do, but I just never thought I could uh, succeed in it. And after talking to my wife at the time, well, she was my girlfriend at the time, it was just really like a well, let's see what let's see what happens. So you know, I did my research, started looking at things you can do, and that's where I discovered you can actually get certifications in the field. So I started off with my A plus, and you know, trying to get your foot in the door, which is which is a challenge for a lot of people moving into the field. I found my first job, um, I might be showing my age here, but I found my first tech related job at Circuit City. I was doing like their home theater installations, and they needed a guy at the, on the bench to to do the PC repairs. So I convinced the boss to to let me do that when I wasn't doing uh, home theater installations. And that's where I kind of got my, you know my first bit of experience. And then from there, I moved on to, you know, working at uh, cable companies, doing the call center for their internet service. I worked with another small company who did PC repairs. I worked at GE for a little bit as desktop support. And I moved around a lot. Um, a lot of them were, again, contract roles um, because it was really hard to find full time. And, and it wasn't until I think, like I said, I, I around the time I started working for a school system where I really started to find my footing. And that's where I really came in contact with cybersecurity. So while working for the school system, I was in charge of the special education department and their devices they used. And unfortunately, students were getting their iPads and technology devices stolen and they didn't have any way to track them down at the time. So um, I put them on an MDM shortly after that We were introduced to Cisco Meraki, and I was able to put them on, put all the devices on Meraki. And then from there, I was able to push out the updates and everything, and it just really helped streamline a lot of things. And then there were a couple other incidents that really made me wonder why we kept getting hit, why we were getting hit with ransomware, why were teachers getting their accounts accessed. So I really started making me look at security and then vulnerability assessments. And then as as I started getting into the vulnerability assessment side of things, I was introduced to penetration testing. So I so from there, I think this was probably like maybe two three years before I actually really went and got my CEH. I knew that this is the the path I wanted to take, but I wanted to make sure that I understood everything there was to know from the IT side before I moved over to cybersecurity. So. You know, I kept working until I got to like uh, like sysadmin level work. And once I got there, then I felt comfortable making the jump to uh, cybersecurity uh, or offensive security and penetration testing.
1: So cool. You know, Davin, when you and I have talked in the past you told me about an ethical hacking boot camp that you took and a particularly meaningful teacher, a person named Keytron Evans. I wonder if you would tell me a little bit about that. I think you had told me that, you know, you asked your boss at the time about creating a role and at that point in time, they weren't totally on board. What was it like for you to say to your boss, hey, you need someone doing this type of work. I can be that person. And what was that journey like as you made that a reality? So
0: back to, like I said, when I realized that, you know, we really needed to take security seriously and looking at vulnerability assessments and penetration testing. At that time, you know, they were fully okay with, you know, me just doing things on the side or working a little bit of overtime to, you know, work on patches and updates and everything. But once I really decided that I really wanted to be into security, I did, I, I had a meeting. I remember doing all my research and I had a whole presentation as to why school systems should have someone in cybersecurity. Cause at that time the argument was, well, you know, it's just a bunch of grades and, and stuff. And I, my argument was, well, no, you still have social security numbers, uh, payment information for kids who, uh, you know, get school lunch and ha- or buy their stuff online. So I remember doing this whole presentation, and at the time, just like everything else you usually see with businesses or school systems, they said there was really no money in the budget, so they really didn't want to move forward with it, but but at that time, like I said, I was I was hooked, and I knew that this is what I wanted to do, so I started doing a lot of research outside of work, and that's where I came across this Ethical Hacking Boot Camp down in Virginia. So I Took some money out of my savings, paid was like thirty-five dollars or $3,800 or whatever it was for the boot camp and took some vacation time and drove down to Virginia and took the course. And I remember the first day there, I was, I guess you could say that was probably my first bout with imposter syndrome because uh, I remember walking in and I'm like, okay, I, I have no idea what I'm doing here. Why am I even here? You know, is this even going to lead into anything that I just waste my money? And then there was also the fact that you know, let's be real, there aren't a lot of people who look like me in the classroom. <laughs> so, you know, I really remember sitting here going, "Okay, I, did I make a mistake? I, I hope I didn't. You know, just waste this money that I it took me months to save." And in comes uh, Keytron, and it was refreshing to see someone who looked like me, not only as a professional, but. Knowledgeable enough to be teaching the course, that really just kind of made me extremely happy and put my thoughts and my I guess that that nervousness I had at ease to say, okay, you know what, if I if I do the work, then I belong here and I'll be able to succeed here because I'm being taught by somebody who looks, you know, who, who looks like me, and in and in talking to him realized that you know he had a similar path so that definitely meant a lot i remember leaving there one feeling great about the decision i made making the connection with keytron and then you know just coming back with a newfound confidence that you know this is what i really wanted to do and and i wasn't going to let anything stop me so i went back up there i asked them again about doing an official role of a security pen tester or analyst or something. And they said no. So unfortunately for them, when fortunate enough for me, you know, I just continued to, to, to pursue my goal. I got certified and then I landed a job maybe about six months later.
1: Incredible. There are a couple of things that I really want to point out that I appreciate you sharing with us and that I think show strength and confidence even though it is sometimes accompanied by feelings of insecurity. Number one, when you fell off a ladder and you walked off that job site and you said, you know what, electrician work is not for me. (laughs) Same thing, right? In this situation that you described to us, you made the case, you educated yourself, that particular organization wasn't gonna make it work for you. And so you went and you looked into alternatives. I think there is so much to be said, for recognizing a dead end when you see it and turning and going into a different direction. I also, it made me think of when I was a kid and when I would watch a lot of Disney movies, and a lot of Disney princesses don't look like me. That's a little different today. You know, live action Mulan just came out. But when I was five, that wasn't the case. I was so thrilled the other day, actually, I was doing like an online learning thing with my daughter. Uh, She's five years old and they have this thing where you can actually choose the avatar of the teacher on this like video game style learning course. And I said, I was going to choose a person. I was going to choose a character. And instead I thought, why don't I ask her who she wants? And I was like, I really didn't know like who she was going to (laughs) choose. You know, I was like, is she going to choose the Disney princess of the nineties, you know, or who is she going to choose? And she chose someone who looks like me. And I thought that was so cool and so interesting. I think there's, there's a lot to be said. I also, you know, I think this is a really nice segue to learn about your work with regards to alpha cybersecurity I think it is so incredible that you have created this platform to share your knowledge, to inspire the next generation of pen testers and cybersecurity professionals to have a platform where you can write about what you know. You've got YouTube videos, you've got Twitch streams. It's all cybersecurity related. What's a VPN? Why are VPNs important? Let's talk about data breaches. Let's talk about social media safety. I'm curious to know what has that journey looked like for you? And can you share with our readers some of the most recent content that you've created for us?
0: Okay. So I knew I, I always wanted to kind of come back and, and mentor people, just didn't know at what capacity. One of the first things they tell you when you get into cybersecurity is to find a mentor. And I remembered reaching out to several different people. And I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna name names. But I either got no response at all, or you could see they saw the message, but just did not reply. And then I got somewhere. It was just like, you know, hey, sorry, you know, I just I just don't have the bandwidth. And I remember feeling, you know, really frustrated. And and then that (laughs) I guess that competitive. Michael Jordan, I take everything personal side kicked in. And I remember just saying, well, you know, screw it. I'm just going to do it myself. And I mean, for the most part, it worked out. But I do look back at times and wonder, OK, you know, maybe I would have gotten to this level a lot sooner had I had the right person or, or or the the right advice given to me to to avoid some of the pitfalls that I went through. So that was where I really decided, OK, I, I need to be able to make myself available to mentor others so they don't make some of the same mistakes that I did. And also, I don't want anyone who comes to me to feel like I felt when I asked for help. And again, it's nothing against the people who didn't help out with me, you know, and speaking to some of them and speaking to some other people, you know, and and then also progressing in this field, I realized that, you know, there people ask them to be mentors for a reason because, you know, they're super successful or they're super knowledgeable in the field. And because of that, they're super busy. So I wanted to make sure that I had a way where even if I can't speak to you in person, I have something where you can refer to or, or go and, and basically, get my voice or my words. So that's where Alpha Cybersecurity came from. It was basically my way of saying, here are things that I'm working on. Here are things that I think are super important. And it, and I start from the beginning. I I literally, I, one of my recent articles is literally how to install VirtualBox on your computer, and then you know install Kali Linux and how to in, how to secure Kali Linux. How to install tools. What I want to be able to do is teach someone from the very beginning and get them that hands-on experience. And then eventually between that and the videos or, or being able to speak with me directly, whether it's on social media or um, through any type of coaching services, I can then be able to point them in the right direction as far as certifications or things to look at. So that's where that's where I, I would like to go with it. Um, again, especially for you know people, people of color, people in inner city communities, or people who just don't have those same resources, going back to what I said earlier about really having really having a, a, a like or, or, or a passion for for tech and wanting to know how things worked and how to tinker with certain things, but not having the resources or not having the exposure to it. Now, computers aren't as hard to come by as they were when I was younger. You know, we have things like YouTube and Google that weren't really popular, you know, that weren't really out there when I, when I was younger. So now I'm trying to put these resources out there. And again, representation matters, going back to what you were saying about your child and, and, and the avatar that, that they created, or me seeing Keytron teach a class. I wanna also do that for the next generation, the next boy or girl who comes up in this field and aren't too sure if they're in the right place. So that's where, that's where everything is heading. Like I said, right now it's, it's just a ton of different thoughts. Um, that's, I think that's where my passion is, is taking me now is to definitely want to help others. Um, whether, like I said, whether it's through YouTube or the blog site, uh, some of the other articles that I work on that, that aren't as technical, but I think are as equally important are, you know, the things you can do at home. So yeah, I do have a series of articles on explaining why you should have an antivirus, why you should use a VPN, how to make sure you're, you know, you're protecting yourself on social media. With cybersecurity awareness month, I put out a video, my the first video of a series of videos on certain things that you should avoid. Um, in one of my recent videos, I have, I, I showed a post that I saw over the weekend where it was like, you know, what would your name be if it was your, if you took your grandfather's last name on your mother's side? And it's a, you know, (laughs) it's a convoluted way of basically just saying, what's your, what's your mother's maiden name? And I explain why, why you should avoid answering questions like this, because nine times out of 10, that's a security question. So, this is where I, you know, so I, I explain, you know, avoid answering questions like this. I've seen one where they said, hey, what's the last four of your social? Or, you know, what would your card number, if you, if your card number would be how much money, What what would it be? Write it down in the comments. And I explain how not only are these ways to try to trick adults, but a lot of them aren't even catered to us. They're catered to younger children to trick them into giving them that information. So these are things that I, that I talk about that try to, you know, help you be knowledgeable, whether you want to be in the field or you're going to be dealing with technology at home.
1: I love it. I've seen some pretty funny things going around there. There will be like um, like a bingo card and it'll say like for kid, you know, and for a kid, You know, it feels like a regular class worksheet, just like some data gathering, any kind of worksheet that you'd fill out in class. Uh, And then surprise, (laughs) you know, it's all of your private information. So I just think, Devin, I have to imagine that being in your shoes, you've got to have a deep sense of satisfaction. Having been a teenager in the 90s, relatively little access to Computers, computer related education, having really sought that out for yourself and made things happen. You know, you've been an application security architect and a pen tester at a financial services company. The last time you and I spoke, you were telling me about a talk that you did for a camp of eighth to 12th graders who were interested in cybersecurity. And the way that you broke it down, you explained that it was like playing video games. And I'd love for you to share that technique and that approach with our listeners.
0: Yeah, so I did a, a talk at a cybersecurity camp led by the Empowerment Group or Empower Group. Uh, Jimmy Jimmy Dupree, please forgive me if I if I butchered the name of the group. They had a summer camp, of 8th to 12th graders who were really interested in it. And usually when I give my talks, I try to cater it to the audience. So knowing that if I'm speaking to a bunch of preteen and teenagers, you know, talking about The methodologies of a penetration test. I probably would lose most of them in the very beginning, and maybe pick them back up once I started talking about exploitation, and then I'd probably drop off again when I talked about documentation. So um, I sat back and I tried to figure out a way of how I could make this relatable. And going back to you know my son playing Fortnite, I figured that was a, a a great opportunity to kind of blend both of those together. So I explained in the talk how learning the basic methodologies of a penetration test is very similar to learning how to play a video game like Fortnite with penetration testing you know there's the five phases your information gathering your reconnaissance and enumeration your scanning your exploitation post exploitation and report writing so i think i actually said six but um but it's no different than when you pick up a video game for the first time and you're trying to understand how to jump, how to move, you know, what what can you do that's going to make you have an advantage over your your opponent? Or how are you going to be able to move around the field and survive long enough in the the sense of Fortnite? And once you understand how the basics of the game works, then you understand, you know, well, how can I cater this to me? What tools can I use? Fortnite, uh you know what weapons can I use? What materials can I use to help build? So I blend both of those together and just basically say, you know, so in penetration testing you're talking about information gathering. Well in Fortnite, you're doing the same thing when you first get on, when you first land on the field and you're scanning your environment to see are there any is there anybody else nearby? What supplies can I go grab from this area, from this house? What materials do I need to begin with? And then as you go through the scanning phase, like in pen testing, you're using your Nmap or whatever tools you're using um, in Fortnite, you're scanning visually. So now again, you're now you're walking around and you're looking, OK, this tool chest has been opened, which means there's somebody who could possibly be close by. So now you're looking for essentially you're looking for vulnerabilities. You find the person you start attacking or whatever it is you're doing if they have shields you're knocking down the shields once you knock down the shields they're vulnerable for an exploit you know now when you do the exploit you're taking them out same thing in penetration testing you find an open port you find a misconfigured service or or an unpatched service that's vulnerable to an exploit you find the exploit you exploit it now you have access after that you try to loot, you try to gather as much information as you can for the post exploitation phase in Fortnite, that might just be picking up the supplies that they left off when you eliminated them. And, you know, and you progress and you and you basically repeat the steps until the game is over. When pen testing, you gain root privileges or you gain system admin access. In Fortnite, you won. And then your documentation is, you know, for pen testing, you're writing out the report, you're writing out the methodology, you're writing out what you found, the result of your scans. And in Fortnite, the documentation is the stats at the end of the game. So you figure out how many eliminations you had, how many assists, you know, how long were you on the field, you know, and you and and you gather all that information, and you use all of that to better yourself for the next game or for the next pen test. Um, so that that's kind of that was kind of the approach I used with that summer camp, and and, and luckily for me, they received it very well.
1: Devin, I absolutely love that. I think that making information accessible to people really matters. And on that note, Devin, what advice would you give to the next generation of professionals looking to enter this industry?
0: The first thing I usually tell anybody is if you really want to enter this industry, you have to figure out your why. It could be be anything other than the fact of, you know, people saying, oh, well, I heard you can make a lot of money. I saw Mr. Robot and I thought it was really cool. <laughs> or um, I heard there was a, there's a gap in employment. Usually with those three, I usually tell them, okay, we'll find something else that's a little bit more concrete because there are gonna be times when you, you can make good money and, and it's not enough to deal with some of the stuff you have to deal with. Penetration testing or cybersecurity isn't always as cool as Mr. Robot. And yes, there is a gap, but sometimes that's not to your benefit. So for me, you know, my why was the opportunity to get into something that I always love to do, you know, the challenge of penetration testing to me is like putting the pieces of a puzzle together or the fact that I can exploit something today that may not work tomorrow, but I may have to try to gain access back into that same system tomorrow it was just that, that constant challenge for me. And then of course, then there's also the way that, then there's also things like, yeah, I I develop a career that can make me, you know, successful and better provide for my family, but it's more of the challenge and the interest of, of cybersecurity that kind of keeps me going on those days where I'm like, ah, I'm on like page 78 of a report or, you know, or I'm just dealing with a lot of the nonsense that comes with being in the field. So finding your why is definitely the first thing I would recommend because, like I said, it has to be strong enough to to, to get you through the hard times. The next thing I would say is, you know, really research because cybersecurity is, is a big field. You know, it's not just pen testing. There's incident response. You know, with forensics. There's, uh, you know, you can do auditing. You can do there's so many different things you can do. So figure out what you want to do, not necessarily what you see, because you can get into you can get into pen testing and realize, you know, this really isn't for me. <laughs> I, I really want to focus more on blue team or vice versa. So find out your why, and do your research, and then once you have your research and you understand, you know what it takes to to be in the field that you want to do then start researching how to go about it you know are there certifications are there boot camps are there free classes you could take online which i usually highly recommend before you spend any money like i said google youtube cybrary there's a lot of different resources out there that you can use that cost you nothing or next to nothing to really get a chance and get a feel of what it is you want to do before you really invest a lot of your time and money into something.
1: So Davin, I wanna double click into something because when I think about you and what you bring to the industry and what your story demonstrates, the word that comes up in my mind is simply grit. You've got grit. And there is a lot of nonsense that we have to deal with as cybersecurity practitioners in all sorts of different areas. How do you decide what is nonsense that you choose to handle and get up the next day and try again versus nonsense that you turn around and you walk away? Related to that, you brought up Michael Jordan. And I am maybe even less of a sports person than I am a video game person. What I know about Michael Jordan is that he is an awesome basketball player. I'm pretty sure I got the sport right. You brought up this fact that you recognize within yourself a competitive aspect, a strength, a place where you derive energy from. And so what advice do you have for our listeners in that regard? How do you decide which nonsense to put up with and keep going? And how do you decide which nonsense to walk away from?
0: For one, thank you for the the compliment of having the grit Um, I appreciate that. To the question about picking and choosing what to what to stand with and what to walk away from, that's a work in progress for me. Some days I don't tolerate anything, and I just ignore it or log off or you know just focus on whatever it is I'm here to focus on. Um, Other days, you know, I might speak out, and then other days I might just go on blast and just i you know it's one of those where it's like oh i have time today so let let's go it just really depends i usually tell folks not to let things bother you i'm sure you've experienced it especially being being a woman of, of color in this field sometimes it just gets to be a little exhausting feeling like you have to justify your existence in in the field so those things usually bother me. You know, like if like if I post an article or I post a link to an article or I post my opinion on something and immediately I'm being, I'm getting pushback, not off of the comment I made, but why do I feel like I have a right to be speaking? That gets to be frustrating. So like I said, it just, it, it, it's a work in progress. I, I don't really have a set answer. It just depends on what you can and can't tolerate. I just always say, you know, You never want to stoop to their level. Some things can be really disrespectful and really toxic. Um, You can comment or you can, you know, respond without being as negative or as toxic. And then there are times where it's just like, you know what, whatever, you know, I'm not going to let it bother me. Um, Like I said, that's something that I'm working on. Uh, Marcus J. Carey uh, introduced me to a book called The Four Agreements. One of the four agreements is, you know, not to take things personal. So I've been working really hard on <laughs> on not taking a lot of the stuff uh, I see online personally, even though they are personally res- talking to me. As far as the the Michael Jordan uh, comparison, yeah, he, you're absolutely right. He he was a, he was an amazing basketball player, but what I talk about when I'm when I when I talk about him is he had this mentality actually, and Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, had 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 the similar mentality where they played with this anger, this chip on their shoulder. Uh, And, you know, Michael Jordan in interviews or even in his Hall of Fame speech, he basically talks about how, you know, being cut from his JV basketball team when he was younger or how he used to sit back and listen to different sports analysts, you know, say other players may have been better than him. In the Last Dance documentary, he talked about how the general manager of his own team Um, You know, talked about other players or on opposing teams. So when he went out to go play them, he made sure he made their lives a living hell on the basketball court. He took everything and internalized it and used it to make him a better basketball player and more competitive you know, to spend that extra time looking at film or looking at the research he needed to do to make sure he had the upper hand on his opponents. You know, same thing with Kobe Bryant. They talk about the story where where I think it was his rookie year where he shot like two or three air balls in a playoff game and they flew back to L.A. and he got off the plane and went straight to the gym and just kept shooting because he swore he would never, you know, that would never happen again. He played a game against Golden State one night, tore his Achilles, but made sure that he got up to shoot the two free throws and walk off the court because he didn't want to show weakness and he wanted to show that he was still, you know, that guy. I try to use, you know, those examples. So it's like, even when I'm feeling at my worst, you know, I'm always on my A game. And to those people who feel like I don't belong or to those people who never really gave me a shot or looked in my direction or overlooked me for somebody else that I know, you know, I could probably do better than or outperform, I use that as my motivation to to push me to be the best version of myself day in and day out, and then also to be the best version of myself to help motivate anybody else who wants to succeed in this field as well.
1: I love it. Thank you so much for sharing those thoughts with us. You know, it's funny, I don't know if you and I have talked about the four agreements before. I am obsessed with the four agreements. I have probably spent upwards of three dozen nights this year alone, falling asleep, listening to the last few chapters of that book. And I agree, it is super hard sometimes not to take things personally. One of the things that we do at Cobalt is on Mondays, sometimes our CEO or myself will record a marvelous Monday video. And my CEO, Jacob, he's actually on uh, vacation this week. He asked me to do the Marvelous Monday video. And over the weekend, I was thinking to myself, what do I want to talk about? And I decided that what I wanted to talk about was for our BDR team and for our sales team, the emotional resilience that our folks must develop and manage within themselves if they're going to be successful in their roles, because it's natural in a BDR or in a sales role to get ignored and rejected all the time. And that does not feel good. And it is a tough lesson to learn how not to take it personally. It's so easy to say, and it's another thing completely to try and believe, you know, I have posted content and I'll get a hundred people sharing positive feedback and two people sharing negative feedback. And I will obsess over the negative feedback. And what I said to our team during this week's Marvelous Monday, I said, you know, this past weekend, I found myself totally obsessed with the health condition of someone who is not myself, not my family, not my friend. I found myself having a very strong desire for this person's health condition to result in a certain outcome. And that's a problem, because I have no control over that situation. And I should focus my time and my effort and my energy on stuff that I can control. I should put down my phone and I should play with my kids. I should cook a healthy meal for myself. I should read a book. I should write, you know, I should, if I'm new, you know, create content that's publicly available to help the next generation of penetration testers and cybersecurity professionals. So again, this podcast is not about me. It is about you. I also just wanted to share that because as you were saying it, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I am obsessed with the four agreements. I think it is so powerful. Um, And I think that, you know, you are the type of person, Davin, you are a humble learner. You consider yourself always to be a noob. You always recognize there's, you always recognize that there is more to learn. Um, And that is what has gotten you so far. That is what has put you today in a position of power, all the work you've done over the past couple of decades. And I will say for myself and on behalf of our listeners, we are so excited to see what's next for you. And I want to say thank you very, very much for taking the time uh, to speak with us today on the podcast.
0: Oh, well, I appreciate that. And thank you so much for having me.
1: It is my sincere pleasure. Humans of InfoSec is brought to you by Cobalt.io, a pen testing as a service company. Like what you hear? Subscribe, share, or leave a review wherever you enjoy podcasts. And don't forget to say hello. You can find us on Twitter at Humans of InfoSec. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.